Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. A UNCOP28 declaration is good news for tea smallholders. Los Angeles-based Sun Garden Tea merges with Q-Trade Tea and Botanicals. And it's easier now to attend Chinese tea trade shows. Plus, in the 1990s and early 2000s, curating a catalog of 200 direct-sourced teas, establishing a small chain of neighborhood tea shops, launching a formal tea school, and selling tea online to people worldwide was pretty ambitious. Twenty-five years later, Montreal-based Camellia Sinensis, having survived pandemic peril, has emerged with vigor in a configuration admired for its innovative approach experiential retail. The company even helps finance a factory in South India to produce tea on demand. Partner Kevin Gascon joins us today on the company's 25th anniversary to share valuable insights and a few missteps while traveling that long path to success. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. A Declaration on Sustainable Agriculture, Resilient Food Systems, and Climate Action, adopted by 134 delegates to the COP28 UAE Conference, will provide $2.5 billion to address agricultural-related climate issues. The declaration was accompanied by the announcement of several related initiatives including a $200 million agricultural-related research partnership between the UAE and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. UAE Minister of Climate Change and Environment, Mariam Mohamed Al-Hamiri, said, quote, Countries must put food systems and agriculture at the heart of their climate ambitions, addressing both global emissions and protecting the lives and livelihoods of farmers living on the front line of climate change, end quote. Commentators and agriculture experts say COP28 recognized the important link 
between food and climate in the declaration. Delegates affirming the statement represent 5.7 billion people, including 500 million farmers. The UN Conference on Parties resulted in the Paris Accords in 2015, signed by 200 countries who agreed to limit long-term global temperatures from increasing above 1.5 degrees Celsius. Temperatures currently stand at 1.2 degrees C, compared to pre-industrial times, and estimates suggest temperatures will increase by 2.4 C to 2.7 C by 2100. The window for keeping within the 1.5 C limit is, quote, rapidly narrowing, end quote, according to the UN. Unilever delegates called for urgent climate action. The company, still a major player in tea, has a visible leadership role in investing in renewable energy, switching to low-carbon feedstocks as alternatives to fossil fuel-based chemicals, and pledging to protect and regenerate 1.5 million hectares of land, forest, and oceans by 2030. The company said it is already sourcing 93% of its electricity from renewable resources. Quote, The world isn't reducing emissions quickly enough to meet global targets and avoid climate breakdown, end quote, writes Unilever, adding that it, quote, calls on governments attending COP28 to increase ambition and accelerate actions urgently. We can go further and faster in the race to net zero, end quote. COP28 advisor Edward Leo Davey told VOA that genuine implementation of the declaration, quote, will represent a significant positive step forward in the lives of smallholder farmers, end quote. Farmers were encouraged to adopt sustainable practices, including organic farming and agroecology, to reduce harmful agrochemicals, conserve water resources, and protect soil health. Q-Trade Tea and Botanicals announced a merger with Sun Garden Specialty Tea this week. Q-Trade CEO Manjeev Jayakumar said the two companies have, for the past 25 years, shared a pioneering and unwavering commitment to North America's specialty organic and fair trade tea communities. Quote, these shared values and history of collaboration made it easier for us to take this exciting step, he said. Giacomo writes, quote, our combined strengths mean expanded capabilities and scale, bringing clients more variety without compromise in quality and trust, end quote. Q-Trade's state-of-the-art GFSI certified beverage and dietary supplement manufacturing facility and its expertise in innovative packaging solutions, from pyramid sachets to sparkling tea cans and stick pads, will enhance our mutual offerings, he said. Jayakumar emphasizes that this merger solidifies our commitment to build a platform to support the North American tea industry's growth. Quote, our expertise and infrastructure can support clients on projects ranging from discovering micro-lot seasonal specialty teas, to launching complex functional bottled and iced tea products, end quote. According to the release, 
The merger will enhance the variety and capabilities for customers who will also benefit from collective expertise and competitive pricing. As part of the merger, several members of Sun Garden's team have joined Qtrade Tees. Qtrade, founded in 1994, operates a 70,000-square-foot food, beverage, and dietary supplement manufacturing facility in Cerritos, California. Sun Garden Specialty Tea, located in Alhambra, is a tea importer and wholesaler, founded in 1999 by CEO Craig Min. It is becoming easier to attend China's vast tea trade shows and conferences again. In November, China announced a year-long trial of visa-free travel from six countries, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, and Malaysia. Ordinary passport holders can do business or travel to China for up to 15 days without a visa. In March, China eased strict travel restrictions enforced since early 2020 to curb the spread of COVID-19. On November 30th, representatives from various United Nations agencies, experts, and scholars from the international tea sector, leading entrepreneurs, embassy representatives, heads of major tea-producing regions, and buyer representatives, among other distinguished guests, attended China's first international conference on white tea, according to a release provided by Fuding City's Convergence Media Center. The conference theme was Fuding, the birthplace of white tea, building a win-win future together. China is seeking to expand white tea exports, a popular style of tea. During inaugural opening ceremonies, Fuding City was named the sole host of future white tea conferences, an honor designated by the International Tea Committee and the China Chamber of Commerce of Import and Export Foodstuffs, Native Produce, and Animal Byproducts, CFNA. Fuding is China's official birthplace of white tea. Its surrounding gardens are planted with uh, Fuding Dabai, and Fuding Dahao, that means a big hair, cultivars used to make silver needle white tea. China's White Tea Cultural Industry and Science and Technology Center is located in Fuding. The event was organized, quote, to generate a consensus on global interconnectivity for cooperation and to chart a new blueprint for Fuding White to go global, end quote, according to the release. Business Insight Foreign direct investment into China declined sharply in 2023. A key measure of FDI turned negative for the first time since 1998, declining by $11.8 billion in the third quarter. According to Bloomberg News, foreign companies in China operating in export-oriented and industrial sectors have seen their profits fall this year, and are hesitant to reinvest earnings in China. Next, Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports this week's India News. India T News for the week ending December 8, 2023. Kutai Group now boasts carbon negative status. This week, Kutai Group Limited announced the results of carbon emissions studied at the undertaken in five 
of the Darjeeling Gardens and have announced that they are carbon negative. The independent study showed that 11,026 tons of carbon dioxide were absorbed by the agroforestry in these gardens, uh, with 1,732 tons being emitted. The company produces 700,000 kilos of tea from Darjeeling each year and is hoping that this carbon negative status will add greater market value and, and the price premium as a climate conscious single estate tea. Now the news, plucking is scheduled to end in North India for the winter this month. The Tea Board of India has announced the last date of, for plucking tea leaves of the year as December 11th for Darjeeling, Sikkim, Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand and December 23rd for the low altitude regions of uh, Duwar, Starai and Bihar. Processing dates are to close at December 13th and 26th, respectively. Plucking will continue uninterrupted in the South. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple to operate smartphone control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. In the 1990s and early 2000s, curating a catalog of 200 direct source teas, establishing a small chain of neighborhood tea shops, Launching a formal tea school and selling tea online to people worldwide was pretty ambitious. 25 years later, Montreal-based Camellia Sinensis, having survived pandemic peril, has emerged with vigor in a configuration admired for its innovative approach to experiential retail. The company even helped finance a factory to produce tea on demand. Partner Kevin Gascon joins us today on the company's 25th anniversary to share valuable insights and a few missteps traveling a long path to success. Camellia Sinensis, based in Montreal, Canada, offers an extensive online collection of fine teas, teaware, and utensils. The company was founded in 1998 by Hugo Ramirezzi, who was inspired by visiting tea houses in Prague. The first bohemian-themed store on Emery sold tea and cakes amid shisha pipes and musical acts. The company has grown to operate neighborhood tea shops, supply restaurants and offer a private branding service, an office tea program, and custom corporate gifts. The staff conducts formal training in two tea schools and has published several award-winning books and guides. Tarar is the central theme for the extensive collection, mirroring the founder's direct sourcing. Teas are categorized by style, type, origin, and format, 
discounted and discarded as each new harvest arrives. Kevin Gascon first began buying tea in South Asia in 1989 and has since visited the tea lands hundreds of times. Kevin is responsible for selecting teas for the Camellia sinensis catalog from India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and the African continent. Born in Yorkshire, England, Gascon migrated to Canada where he established a tea import venture in the early 1990s. He began supplying Camellia sinensis in 1999, and in 2004, the two companies merged. Kevin, I'm excited you joined us to discuss the 25th anniversary. It's a milestone year for you. In the 1990s, curating a catalog of 200 direct source teas, establishing a small chain of neighborhood shops, and launching a formal tea school, selling tea online to people worldwide, sounded a bit crazy. 25 years later, I'd like to begin by addressing all four partners. Congratulations, guys. It's working. Yeah, I don't know how it worked, but it seems to have worked. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're delighted. Uh, obviously, it's like quarter of a century of, uh, of really pushing forward this concept of going to get the tea, having a really good relationship with the person that made the tea, giving in the best money you can, cutting out all the intermediaries, coming in back here, Tapping into people's grocery store budget instead of set, instead of selling it as a luxury product, so you get smaller profits, yes, but you get lifetime value, and then gradually build up your community by pounding away with the same stories. And tea, when it tastes good, it sells itself anyway. And for sure, they get to the end of the bag, they want some more. I'm not the first person that said good tea tastes better. It, it does taste better. I still work in the shop. I can't uh, get enough of hanging out in the shop and telling them the story. I love it when p people that have never bought tea before come in and I get a chance to just tell them how this amazing world and bring them in and let them taste the stuff. I'm as excited about it today as I was uh, when I started doing it all those years ago. Camellia Sinensis is an experiential tea retailer that encourages and enables the eye-opening moment when someone new to specialty tea begins to think about tea differently. They become conscious tea drinkers. They want to know where the tea comes from, how it was made, and how it differs from other teas. What does it take to make that happen? Well, it takes a group of people that are really into the product, first of all, because, uh, you know, you can get sick of telling the same story quite fast if you selling a product that doesn't inspire you. So I think there's that part of it. Plus this, this connection with the people that make the tea because they've become our friends. I've got a friend who I saw him come out in university uh, as a young man, having dealt with his father. And now I'm like the uncle godfather to his children, uh, who are now coming out of university themselves. So I've, I've been through these like family cycles with a lot of these people. And I've, I've uh, been back there every year and respecting their product. and doing what I can to uh, be part of them, helping them develop the product, not just for my company, but just for their own good as well. And then you come back here and you share it with the people that are enjoying the tea and then you introduce something else and uh, get them excited about that. 
the backstory used to back up the product uh, in our books, in our teaching, in our schools, because we have two schools, and my conferencing around the world and so on. The actual amount of information that most people need is quite small, but it drives the staff that are selling it in their geekiness and their enthusiasm for the product. And it also drives that small percentage of the population that are really thirsty to know more and more and more because it's become a hobby and it's become an intellectual hobby, not, not just a, a, a hobby of uh, consuming. So I think we always have to remember that we've got a big diversity of styles of customers as well. They're all viscerally connecting to this product. Some of them have a very grocery kind of attitude towards it. Some of them are totally obsessed with getting their healthy benefits every day. Others are uh, reading and blogging and uh, needing all the background information and altitude cultivar, uh, you know, the name of the guy that plucked the tea and his mother and his sister and so on. And really, we have this great big uh, diaspora of people that are all connected by this magic sensation we get from drinking this amazing product. The trick is to have staff that are super enthusiastic about the product and who really love sharing that information. So a lot of the really deep information we're using to keep our team stimulated so that they can, at that point, give whatever the different clients need uh, when they come in our stores. The 25 years you and the founders have invested in Camellia Sinensis is powerful evidence that your approach is a successful model for others to follow. During your travels, you have closely examined retail operations worldwide. Is retailing specialty tea still a viable business? I think if you want to make uh, some quick money, do something else. Uh, I think uh, what you really need in the tea business is uh, patience and determination. And you need to really enjoy the product because if you're not enjoying the actual product and the world that this product comes from and uh, is surrounded by and the community that it creates, if you're not into that part of it, there's a lot of better ways to make uh, a living. It's such a great product in so many ways. It's, it's super positive, good vibe product. Everybody sees tea as a good thing, healthy. You know, it improves your day, improves your life. I mean, I can, I sound like a preacher really quickly, but there aren't many products that have this kind of noble integrity. There aren't that many products that have that kind of all around, uh, overall, uh, wholesome, image and uh, depth to them. Having said that, the actual margins that you're going to make until you build up a large community of buyers uh, or clients, whether you're doing B2B or B2C or both, it's a slow, long graph. You've got to take small profits for a long time before you can really expect to make any money. There's a lot of different models. In my kind of a model, it's slow. It's a slow burn. A powerful aspect of retail growth that I've been watching is the success of innovators, especially those blending tea with herbals and formulating to enhance specific attributes, such as alertness, calming teas, mindful teas. 
adaptogenic teas, teas that energize. When you work as a taster buyer, like I do, uh, if I'm in front of a, a table full of, uh, of say, 50 teas and I have to select one or two of them uh, for the catalog and so on, um, there are various, various different things that you learn to look for and things you learn to uh, not be seduced by. Sometimes the most seductive tea on the table is the worst one to buy. But there are also, there's a certain amount of unspoken, hard to describe elements that are the deep visceral connection from those teas because there's a certain amount of uh, chemistry in those teas that gives you that deep intangible satisfaction sometimes we have it in, in teas that have quite a little flavor experience but we feel them when we drink them and quite often those are the ones that if people drink them repeatedly they get quite connected to them so it's not all flavors in the mouth it's more complex than that and I know from selling tea for so long, I know when I taste the tea and I think, okay, this has got me, I've got the open throat feeling, got a nice little chest uh, feeling here. Those kind of things, nobody talks about them, nobody's even thinking about them. But when they're drinking the tea, they're getting the feeling and, and those kind of things are very popular with the new generation, the young drinkers who aren't really into alcohol. They're looking for stuff that gives them a mood or a feeling or a sensation or puts them in a certain place. And that's a lot of their, uh, a lot of this, the way they select their things is for that moment in the nice little chair by the window or for that uh, time when they're sitting outside on the porch or it's to create these sort of spaces almost like uh, i kind of see it a little bit like uh, instagram moments of time because they kind of see the world in that way in a way in the studies that have been done on uh, on the market in the last couple of years we've seen that gen z the younger the youngest they're drinking yes a lot of tea great for us that's really good news got lots of young people coming on board i'm seeing a lot of young people in the shop from the geeks to the um you know to the yoga crowd to the healthies all the outdoorsies uh, all sorts uh, all coming in from that age group a lot of them are looking for the way it makes them feel so the flavor element isn't the end of the line and sometimes people come in and we blow them away with the flavor but they're not really connecting so they'll try it and then they'll try something else the next time so unless we get repeats we're not really working on solid products they're sort of experimental products until we start to get repeats at camellia sinensis you view tea as fresh produce with a seasonal sell date your print menu is promoting the fresh arriving teas in season. Who buys freshness and sees tea as produce instead of a packaged dry good? I would say any tea drinker, if you put a fresh tea next to a less fresh tea, they'll love the fresh tea. Fresh tea makes a difference. Unless you're drinking aged tea, of course. But most of the teas that are put into the more uh, grocery store commodity style uh, chains are carefully dried so they can last quite a long time 
whereas I'm trying to sell tea before the season of the following year, a lot of the teas that are being made uh, with the CTC manufacturing method and put into blends, yeah, they can be good for two and a half, three years. Uh, they've got time to be warehoused and packaged and redistributed and then redistributed again and then put on shelves and so on. So they have a bit more time. But any tea drinker will go for the fresh one if you give, those, give them two next to each other. It's nice to see that the partners that created Camellia Sinensis are still friends 25 years later. What do you think the next 25 years will bring? One promising undertaking is the company's decision to invest in building a tea factory in the Nilgris tea-growing region in South India. Well, I think uh, tea's not going anywhere. We're not going to stop drinking tea. So, uh, as I was saying earlier, with my uh, preaching section of the interview, we've got this gorgeous, wholesome product that I really don't think it's going anywhere. We're too connected to this leaf. As they say in uh, some parts of Southeast Asia, it's our partner plant. What we have to think about is that it's not a static situation. Things have to move. In business, you have to move, you have to innovate continually, continually. Uh, like you just mentioned, during the pandemic, we had to jump. We had to take all the people that were working in our tea house and put them in our web operation. And then we had to close that space and use it for something else as quickly as we could so that we weren't uh, wasting space or having a dead area. So we had to make some decisions during the pandemic. And it all included uh, making changes that we had to then explain to the customers and so on, because people can be a bit funny with change. But generally, people find change sort of exciting and it's essential. So the future of tea, we don't know what it's going to what it's going to be, but it is going to be our vision of it is not to come into it as if it's a static situation, but to come into it as if it's some kind of a journey where we have to always be testing the water to see what we have to do next. And I think that's the, that is probably what has kept the four of us together as a group is this strong belief that change is good and that uh, continually in innovating not only keeps us uh, engaged and excited with the project, but it also keeps the, the uh, heart of the operation beating. It means that it's exciting, it's attractive to the customers, and so on and so on. So the tea studio part of it sort of developed through doing a lot of uh, field consulting with Indy, my very good friend for a few decades now. We were talking for many years about uh, how this could be done better, how that could be done better. And slowly in the 20, after about 2010, it started to form into this idea of a project where we could innovate on various different parts of the way things were done. We could use uh, more environmental uh, energy sources, LPG, solar panels. We could redo the way things were done on a uh, social level where the people were more involved in the process. They were making the artisanal decisions. We were giving them the responsibility of actually making the tea. Um, the growers were asked for a fine product, which they were grumpy to make at the beginning, 
um, trying to trick us with bad leaf, with a little bit of good leaf on the top and little tricks like that. Uh, but once they've been sent away a few times and came back with the good stuff and were very well rewarded for it, they started to get proud about bringing in the good stuff, introducing that kind of relevance to the process and relevance to the project. People getting up thinking, right, I'm going to get some really good leaf for these guys today, instead of just stuffing a bag full and hoping you've got enough to uh, make a few more rupees at the end of the day. So the idea was to do this and at the same time make teas that we were directly taking to market ourselves so that we have this very direct chain between we make the teas that we need and then we sell them. No waste. We make to order. So we buy the green leaf when we need to make some tea uh, from the guys in the valley and then we make it into the tea. We ship it over, but we don't make any more. So we're not... Uh, affecting this cost of production that I was mentioning earlier, that we have a great big problem with in the tea industry because we've got a lot of tea. There's too much tea being made for the market and everybody's suffering because it's bringing down the price of the cost of production. The tea studio thing sort of grew out of that desire to kind of move things forward and to innovate and also we sort of set it up as a classroom so that other producers, because it's totally open source project, so that other producers could come in, have a look how things were done, take away ideas and information, and hopefully gradually start to sow a few ideas in a few heads and a few areas around the world, because we have producers from quite a few different countries coming. And so that we can see that what we sometimes feel is static or we feel is a, uh, a structure that can't be moved can actually be moved and we can actually make differences. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Produced by Atavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.